And hello everyone and uh, welcome to a podcast. Sorry about the, I think, 10 or 11 day delay, but uh, rather selfishly, Lee Ryder went on holiday. His one week's holiday of the year was left to short-staffed, so we didn't want to do it when Lee wasn't here. He is now back, and I am also joined by Mark Douglas and Andrew Fowler. I'm Neil Cameron. And gentlemen, we're going to start with Mike Ashley. Then we're going to move on and have a bit of Hatton Ben Arthur, because we like a bit of Hatton, don't we? And we're going to end up at Southampton, where, of course, Newcastle are playing tomorrow. Lee, Mike Ashley, you wrote a very interesting piece in the newspaper uh, today. Since that's happened, he, he has come out, and it was him that's come out, even though he didn't say it himself, and said, this is the most interesting thing of it all to me, is he won't be selling Newcastle United until 2016. Why 2016? Well, you know, you you could argue that that could be the a potential time when Rangers are in a position to play Champions League football again. But I don't think football's as easy as just to map out as that. And obviously, Rangers have had a lot of problems as well. Um, they don't exactly seem like they're knocking on the door of the Champions League at the moment. So, reading that, what you will. But for me, Mike Ashley doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Seems to uh, be pretty content to be picking up the TV money. And building a profit, and, and as I wrote in the paper uh, today, you know Newcastle up for sale for 250 million within five years. Ashley could have made much more than that, and still own the club. So why would you, why would you want to uh, sell up now when when it's in such a great profit-making position? And this is another thing, Mark. If I can come to you, back in the day it was local scrap merchant dealer, wasn't it? I had a few bob would buy a football club, and then it became millionaires. And now it's billionaires. Now, let's just say Mike Castle wanted to sell Newcastle United tomorrow. He needs somebody to buy it. Are you aware? Are you keeping us quiet? A story for tomorrow of a Middle Eastern billionaire yeah. out there who fancies, you know, Friday night out in the big market? Yeah, I'm, I, I, how did you know? Uh, how did you know? Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's a tale. Yeah. Now the, no, the point the point is is not just that they've, they've they're struggling to actually find somebody to come in and buy it. It's with financial fair play rules as they are. Yeah. What could a billionaire actually do? Because They've basically closed the stable door now that Manchester City's owners have come in and completely changed football. You're only allowed to spend a certain amount of uh, on wages, and uh, you're only allowed to increase your turnover by a certain by by an amount that your club can actually make. So that means that Newcastle really are completely tied into the the revenue levels that they're at at the moment. So anybody who comes in can't. It's not just a matter of putting 100 million in. So it's it's a complete it's a complete. Uh, unfortunately, it's a bit of a fantasy to think that there's some shake coming in. For Newcastle United, as much as we would love them to come in and, and, and make Newcastle relevant and make Newcastle, well, not relevant, but successful and relevant in the Premier League era, because it does feel like they're kind of drifting away from that at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Andy, if uh, I mean, it's, it's not that I think from my couple of years here that the biggest complaint about Ashley is it's not really how he runs the club, it's in this transfer window, which we'll move on to in a second. Just he hasn't spent enough money, and we're not looking for him to spend 150 million pounds. It's another 10 million pounds and another striker. It, it is. I think. I think you're absolutely right. I think he, people aren't looking for him to spend the sort of the, the money that sort of your Man United and your top was making uh, signing. What he, what people are wanting him to do is just invest the money that he's getting back from selling those players. It's something we've spoken about before. You sell Kabai, you sell whoever. They're not bringing it back in. He's not bringing back, putting back into the club. What he's then getting from the sale of those players, as I say, you know, Cabela for roughly what, twelve million, something, something like that. That needs to be the areas that he he needs to be buying around, especially with the inflated prices of of everyone nowadays. If you're dipping into that sort of bargain bucket, 
you're not going to get the kind of calibre players that, that we're wanting to see up here. It seems a long, long time ago, Lee, doesn't it, when he was standing with his Alan Smith T-shirt, <laughs> having a beer with the fans. I mean, you, you've been here from the very start. Mark, obviously you as well. It, it, what transformation? Well, I remember looking at it from, from another country at that time and thinking, well, he's going to go in and just be it. I mean, he's the guy that Newcastle United have been waiting for, you yeah, know. Yeah. Did you think that at the time? Well, to be let's be honest, you know, for all the fans... You know, kicking off at the moment, um, you have to wonder what what it was like at the beginning. He was actually being heralded as a as a hero, to come in and take the club off uh, Freddie Shepard, whose whose stock since then's obviously gone up. Um, you know, it was a different different climate altogether. Ashley was putting money behind the bar so the fans could have a pint and bringing in all these big signings. But so much has changed since then. You know, you mentioned Alan Smith there; he was one guy. Jeremy. The Duca, and they all proved to be complete flops. And I think Ashley's learned more about football in, in this time than, than he ever knew and could have ever imagined. And now they've got this kind of business structure where they're making money, they're bringing in players who they feel will do well for the club rather than just going off reputation. And it's just a completely different world to when he first came in there all those years ago. Yeah, I mean, Mark, when Lee was talking there about players going in and players going out, and we have to, because the last time we spoke was in deadline day, and about after an hour after we switched the, the machine off here, Hatton Benarfa went to Hull. Now, we've written a lot about him uh, since then, and I th- we're never going to see him again in Newcastle United jersey. What's your take? Because I think it would be wrong to say the majority of fans were distraught. I think somewhere, some thought, well, he was this, that and the other, and he wasn't going to play very much anyway. And I think the biggest complaint was, OK, get rid of him and Yang and Bayer, who went at the same time, but they weren't replaced. Hatton Benarfa, what's going to be his when you look back in his time at Newcastle United? What's the summing up of him? I think uh, unfulfilled promise is, unfortunately, the only way that we can, the only way that we can look at Benarfa. Um, the reason that people are frustrated with Alan Pardew over this sale is because there have been other players at Newcastle who've come along and maybe not done things correctly off the pitch as well. I mean, I think of Denver Barr, who possibly didn't want to play where Alan Pardew asked him to play. Johan Kabai went on strike. They seem to have been given quite Papa a bit of... as well. Yeah, The course. Wonga yeah, t-shirt yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. I mean, they seem to have been given chances. Mm-hmm. Hatton Bernalfa wasn't. Now, when Newcastle are playing functional, pretty poor stuff... Hatton Benarfa is seen as, as, as somebody who's potentially a bit of hope, but I, I just feel like it, it was, unfortunately, it was the first big transfer of the Mike Ashley year. It was the first time he went into that French market and really bought somebody with promise. And unfortunately, it hasn't gone the same, it hasn't gone as well as it should have done. Because if Newcastle have managed him properly from the start and they'd, and they'd actually been hard on him from the start, I think they were, they were too easy with him at the start. They indulged him a little bit too much at the start and then didn't really indulge him at all by the end incredibly difficult to really uh, to manage a player like that but I don't think Newcastle have done it particularly well over the summer it went on for far too long this summer and that's the problem it certainly did Lee you first then you Andy um, do we concentrate in this country Lee on the things that players can't do and the people around this table and I'm thinking about it as well do we have we written too much about the fact that Hatton Benarfa doesn't track back 60-70 yards because to be perfectly honest I could do that for about 10 minutes and I would die a death but I can't get the ball and spin in the middle of the park and beat three people and score a goal. So do we concentrate on what players can't do rather than build up a player such as Ben Arthur, what he can do? Well, what, what I know is, and I mean, you know, going from, you know, going to, like, youth clubs and youth teams uh, that in the kind of recent years, in the recent sort of era, it's almost like if you pick the ball up on that six-yard box and dribble all the way through the pitch, you almost get 
shout at that basically because you get there's a lot of over coaching going mm. on now, and um, you know there's, there's all this emphasis on crisp passing football and all that kind of thing. But the fans they pay money to see entertaining players. And that'll never change, I don't think, in Newcastle, for certain generations at least. I think every club, really, let's, let's yeah. be honest. But particularly, you're right, when you look at the heroes down there. Yeah. That it's not the people that have been grinding out results, it's no. been the, the fairy tale players. It's your Peter Beardsleys, your Ben Arthurs, your Waddles, your Gascoins, your Ginolas, you know, Roberts, people like that. That's what Cisco. people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people pay the money to, to see these guys, and, uh, and I just think it's sad that what happened to Hatton Ben Arthur, but really, to, to, to sum it up, uh, it's a political kind of drop backdrop for you know everyone thinks it was a big fallout between Pardew and Arthur. Yes, that's correct to an extent, but Pardew was under a lot of pressure from senior players, you know, not to have him in the squad after the way Ben Arthur went on at times last season. So I'm told. So what did Pardew do? Did he put him in the team and risk losing most of the dressing room, or does he go the other direction? So I I, th- I think there's a you know, it's a political storm that that's now at an end. Um, at least at Newcastle United, it is until Ben Arthur, you know, turns up, <laughs> turns up a whole next week with his baseball cap on, sitting in the stand or whatever. But yeah, it's it's come to an end, and you know, sadly, as Mark said, we we didn't see the best of Ben Arthur all the time. We see we saw what he could do with some of them great goals, but we just didn't see it uh, often enough. And ultimately um, his temperament has cost him his career Let, let's be honest Andy there's a lot of Newcastle fans will be loving it if Ben Arthur went to Hull and was a superstar because they could turn around and say I told you so however the flip side to that is if he goes there he gets a couple of good games disappears exactly what we've been talking about I think Pardew can maybe say well I, I told you so yeah it's it's one of those things where I think you're, you're absolutely right I think there'll be some fans who Will think or and will want him to to do well. You know, here's what you could have had. Um, but on the flip side, I'm sure if if it doesn't work out or if he does disappear, Pardew will be there and he'll be answering the questions, saying, you know, I'm vindicated in my decision to do it. And ultimately, if he's um, if he's getting the backing of the players that he has under him at the moment, then that might be his uh, his sort of his main goal at the moment. I tell you though something, Mark, uh, Mr. Pardew. Ben Arthur or, or not could do with a win at Southampton um, tomorrow. It was an absolute tanking the last time. Four, four, I think I wrote in the paper. People say four 0 going on ten. It never is. But it was going on six or seven yeah. that day because Southampton had a ridiculous amount of chances. Just would you remember about that and also just how vital it is for the manager in particular? A not to lose, but B I would suggest to, to get the first Premier League win of the sure. season. I, I think I think last year's game was probably the worst, most feckless, most incompetent and gutless display I've ever seen from a football team that I've covered. It was just ever, I mean, so not yeah. just Newcastle United, yeah. Awful. Absolutely awful. It looked like a team that had given up. Um, I think Ben Arthur and Mapu Yang and B were obviously we haven't covered yet were, were both atrocious in that game as well. Played out of position there. He was right say. back, wasn't he? Yang but Gamba, yeah. having said that, you know they really didn't try enough. What Pardew needs from tomorrow, obviously, he does need a win. He needs he needs a performance as well, but he needs to just show that there's progress being made. I think that although there's been a lot of pressure, I mean, uh, the manager has spoken about us putting pressure on him, yep. which I think is is a little bit unfair. Really, we're reflecting opinion rather than trying to lead it. Um, which has always been the way that uh, which has always been the way that we've been. He needs to show that the team 
have progressed. I think if they lose, but they lose well, it's, it's obviously it's another nail in his coffin. But by the same token, he just needs to show that this, this team is making progress. They need to have shown that they've moved on from last year where it looked like he couldn't. There was no game plan. It looked like the players weren't playing for him. He needs to show that there's some structure to this team. They've got a lot of injuries at the moment. So, you know, I don't think we should expect too much from them tomorrow. But he needs to show that this team are moving in the right direction. I mean, Lee, I'm not going to keep harking back to that game back in March, but I do. I was sitting beside you at the match, and I'm sure as anything, it was just one nil at the time. Mm-hmm. And you just turned to me and you went, "This is embarrassing." Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. And this mm-hmm. was half an hour into the game before the second, third, before, and it was because I think Mark hit the nail on the, the nail on the head, <laughs> the nail on the head there when the team it looked like they'd given up. And against a, a pretty decent South, Southampton side, you would be hoping the heart is still there mm-hmm. with the players that played in March that are going to be playing tomorrow. Well, you'd like to think so. I mean, I just worry that footballers on so much money these days that some of them don't care. And mm. you know, but they don't care enough. Certainly, they, they don't care enough. No, I mean, we all try and play football at a certain level. And you know, if I lose a game of five aside, I come off the pitch and like I'm still quite annoyed about that. Twenty followers. I'm still annoyed about last night playing five aside. But, uh, <laughs> you snuck that in quite well, yeah, actually. But, but I just, I just wonder how how deep the the passion runs for footballers because it's all right to come out in the press and say afterwards, oh yeah, I'm, we're gutted for the fans and all that. But Newcastle fans have heard that. So many times down the years, you know, Stephen Taylor is usually the guy who gets lambasted for coming out and doing it. He's only doing his job, he's only reflecting mm. on it, but they've heard, we'll do it for the fans, we'll do it for the manager, we'll do it for whoever, too many times now. And like, just go out there, put in a great performance, win 3-0, and come out and just say nothing and just let the result do the talking. And that's what I'd like to, to see down at Southampton um, tomorrow, but I'm not holding my breath. Because like the last two times I've been there, Newcastle have been absolutely appalling. Yeah. And like, what what sticks for me is, is that it's the guys getting on the bus at five a.m. setting from Newcastle, yeah. sitting on a bus for six or seven hours, going down there watching the team get tongued, and then I'm gonna go all the way back. I know. But you know, you cannot lose sight of that. Uh-uh. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't no, do it. I genuinely, I've had to take my hat off. The, the thing, Andy, is uh, Southampton are a good team. I know the Vosts probably some of the best players that ever played for that football club, but they've found some half-decent ones. They haven't lost actually as many as we thought, although some of the biggies have gone. And they've had an OK start of the season, particularly they lost at Anfield in the first game, but they're really, really good that day. They've had a draw and a win since then. It's a difficult match. It, it is, and you know, that kind of... Well, they're on four, four points now. You'd have thought Newcastle would have been on that, especially after the Palace game. But they have, and they've done really, really well. Um, you know, the manager looks like they've got them playing decent football, considering you know when when Pochettino goes. But they've also got you know, Fraser Foster in goal. Uh, you know, yeah. he could come back and haunt uh, haunt Newcastle. But they're playing a good brand of football where they've got people singing from the same hymn sheet. And unfortunately for Newcastle, they're not at the moment, and it's it's never an easy trip. I don't I don't think it'll be quite what we saw last season, but. You could well imagine Southampton coming away with a comfortable win um, because they're just playing much better football. Well, but Mark, they go down Newcastle do without De Jong, um, who's going to be out maybe for the rest of the year. That's a real blow because I think we're all looking forward. Like, we clearly hadn't been fit yet. I think we've all been looking forward to seeing them. No Aaron's as well. It's just a couple of injuries and all of a sudden, and that's a bit unlucky, but that mm. happens. But it is a little bit unlucky. But just all of a sudden, they just look a lot. A bit short, and that was sort of the point of the deadline mm. day, wasn't it? Not that happened, but Arthur's a genius and, and left out. Is that two players went out, and we already thought that yeah. more players should have went in, even if those two players hadn't gone out. Yeah, especially striker wise, because Newcastle—that's that's the one area where I worry about Newcastle. I actually think 
there will get better. I, I, I don't think you know. Even where with we are. three, just three centre half, yeah. senior centre half. I, I do, I do genuinely. I know it. I know it. It's swimming against the tide at the moment, but I do genuinely think that this this Newcastle United squad is actually is actually pretty good. It's it's a bit thin, and that's the problem. And that, mm. and I just think it's thin in a key area in terms of up front. I don't, know where, goals. Goals, I don't yeah. know where the goals are going to come from. But I do think that Newcastle should have enough to, to beat a lot of the teams. I think they'll beat Hull next week, actually. Um, I think the Newcastle will go there and play better than they better than they did last year tomorrow. Um, I don't think it's necessarily as much doom and gloom as we're kind of like, as, as maybe it looks from, from the end of the last game. But I do just wonder where those goals are going to come from. And I do think that these injuries are, you know, they couldn't have been worse time for Newcastle. Because if they'd have, if they'd have, if they'd have had Sem de Jong tomorrow, if Czech Teoti had been fit... Um, I do think I would have gone there and thought, well, maybe they can go there and get something. And I still think they can. You know, we, we, we don't really know how good this Newcastle team is. That, that, that's true. And the thing about him, I don't want to talk to you just like about Riviere. And obviously, you know, he's looking for his first goal. I think he's looked okay so far. He just It just hasn't happened for him. He's, I don't think he's a bad player at all. Actually. I think for £6 million he's looked... But he just needs a bit of help, doesn't he? Well, I'd like to see someone giving him a bit more support than he's had in the last... Uh couple of games I just think basically you know strikers they strive on good service if you if you don't get it then you're not going to score too many goals let's be honest so it'd be nice to see him get that you know from out wide and up front and hopefully uh, Pardew's got the courage to, to play Riviera and Cissé together when Cissé comes back in a couple of weeks and uh, maybe then they can start kicking on because yes Southampton away is going to be tough and Hull next week's a Winnable game, as, as you quite rightly point out. But after that, I think it's Swansea and Stoke to come in a. Leicester, I think, are doing yeah. that run of fixtures yeah. as well. Um, tough cup game at Crystal Palace. It, it's crunch time for Pardew. I don't think he's fell off the cliff just yet. He's got one hand on there at the moment. But, <laughs> uh, you know, whether he can hold himself up with a good win at Southampton remains to be seen. But I just get the feeling he would settle for a, a solid point uh, if offered it before. Game. Well, on that note, Mark, can I just ask your prediction for the match, which I always do. We've been pretty hopeless so far, it must be uh, said, yeah. but let's give it a go. 1 0. You're going to go 1 0, Andy? 1 0 loss. Oh, Lee? I'm going to go for a stalemate 0 0. Really? I don't think it'll be that. I think it's going to be. I, I'm going to. I, I can't see them winning. I hope I'm wrong. They're two each or something like that, which incidentally I would take right now to get into the whole game. A win would be brilliant, though. Actually, it just shows you, it, just, it would just turn everything around. And I think, as Mark said there, just show that Pardew, he keeps saying progress has been made. A win at Southampton would certainly show that. Mm. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. And thank you, whoever out there is listening. We do appreciate it.